I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. This week's episode is extra special because I have one of my very best friends and I know your favorite guest joining me on this week's episode, Danny Sheriff. Danny and I connected when we were going through HA recovery. So that's how we met, but we've remained friends and just got even closer over the years. So Danny's been on the show many times before, but we're kind of changing things up this time. Usually when Danny joins me on the show, her and I answer your hypothalamic amenorrhea related questions. So we usually do like a Q&A type of episode specifically about HA recovery. Now, Danny and I love talking about HA recovery and it's something that we do very much in our businesses as well, helping women overcome HA and just supporting them through the recovery process. But this week we're changing it up a little bit. So as I said, Danny and I met through recovery and now we are two plus years post-recovery. So we thought we'd record an episode about life after recovery. So I ask her questions and she asks me questions and I think it turned out to be a really great episode especially because Danny and I are definitely in two very different seasons of our life. Even though we are two plus years post HA recovery, Danny is going to be having a baby this month. So she is like full term when we recorded this podcast episode. The baby hasn't come yet, but she has a little girl on the way and I am not pregnant. So it's kind of like two different perspectives from both of us and just what life after recovery looks and feels like for us. So I know you are going to love this episode. Danny and I could chat forever and you can, if you listen to the very end of the episode, which I hope you do, I'm just thinking about when I listen to podcast episodes and I always listen right to the end. But if you make it all the way to the end, you can see that Danny and I just start to get a little burnt out at the end from talking. She has baby brain. I am still dealing with post-COVID brain fog. So yeah, this podcast episode was a fun one for me to edit, but you got some of our rambles and giggles at the end, and I hope you enjoy this episode, and I will be back with another one for you as always next week. Hey 
Hey, Danny. Welcome to the show. So happy to have you back on. You are by far the most returned guest. (laughs) Like how many times have you been on the show? (laughs) Yeah, maybe like eight. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like last summer, we did an entire month of podcasting together. And then Mm -hmm. there's been time sprinkled throughout. So (laughs) I think you're pretty accurate with that eight guests. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I think I think it could be about eight um it's really fun as I was looking on I was like oh, we should just have like a radio show <laughs> on we, the side I would a hundred percent be down with that because I would love to just sit down with you every week and chat <laughs> wouldn't it be Maybe. nice if we could every week I'm already tired just thinking about it Well, okay, let's talk about maybe, oh yeah, okay, (laughs) every month. I honestly, while we're on the topic, this is just so random, but at the beginning of this year, I was wanting to start another podcast with like a group of friends talking about kind of um, being like these sensitive beings because me and this one friend, we always get like really impacted by the full moon and stuff. So that was an idea, but it never actually happened. But I would be so down to having a podcast with you. That'd be fun. I don't know. People can tell us if they want one. Yeah. Um, Okay. What our we were going to talk. I like lost the train, my train of thought where we were before. All right, guys. Welcome. Welcome to Unbreakable (laughs) You with Meg. I'm Danny, And today we're talking about life after recovery and kind of where, where things are at now, because you, Meg, are like almost coming on two years of recovery. And then I'm, I don't even know, maybe like two and a half. Um, and but you're at yeah. the end of your pregnancy. Yeah, crushed basically, it. almost, mm-hmm. almost there. Yeah, yeah. And people are like, people do ask that question. Like, I'm not, I'm not messing with anyone here. People do say, like, well, what does your exercise look like? You know, after you've been recovered for a while, or what does your eating look like, or do you still worry about it? And I think a huge concern people have is that, like, they're just always having to focus really hard on what they're eating and all of that stuff yeah. in order to never slip back into recovery again. So, yeah, well, it's funny actually, just this morning I hopped on Instagram and I had a question from someone, I posted a reel about how like we always think, when is our period going to come back when Uh we're in recovery, right? But then she asked me like, do you ever stop worrying about it? Because she's recovered, but she still feels herself always thinking about it. So I asked her, how many recovery periods she's had and it sounds like she's almost a year into like being recovered from HA and so I thought it was pretty normal to kind of feel worried and a little anxious about your period coming back um, a couple months after you know like that three four-ish month mark you're kind of like ooh 
is it going to come back right away? How long's my cycle going to be? But when we are approaching kind of that year mark of having consistent periods and we're still kind of anxious about whether or not our period's going to come back, um, I think there's other factors kind of coming into play there, but I'm so excited to chat with you about life after recovery, because like you said, we talk about actual, like the the actual, like in between stuff, right? Like being in HA Mm -hmm. recovery. And I thought it would be really cool to hear more about what's been going on in your world as you move through pregnancy and how that's been after being through HA recovery, because you did a lot of the deep healing work throughout HA recovery. And a lot of the women that kind of skip over the deep healing work, those issues that they were dealing with before start to come up again throughout pregnancy, right? Wanting to control things and body image stuff. But I'm just wondering like how things have been for you throughout pregnancy. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, at the time of this recording, I am today like nine months pregnant. So that's exciting. I'm at the end. And I can tell you that getting pregnant brings up a lot of things that you didn't realize that you didn't work through or, or, and it's also a really cool opportunity to see how far you've come because entering into that space is, uh, it's riddled with, uh, with diet culture. And I actually speculate more than anywhere else it might be. I don't know, maybe the modeling industry, but aside from that, I think that it's crazy. That basically the second I came in um, and you know the internet figured out based on algorithms and search results and stuff that I was pregnant, I was getting shown like diets or, ex- or workout programs to like make sure that you don't gain too much weight and that like you just have this bump and you don't have anything else and um you join these well not everyone does but a lot I I tried not to do this but my a few of my friends were like oh you have to do it you join these like Facebook groups for your due date I and, saw uh, you post a screenshot from that I was like she's in one of these Facebook groups I didn't even yeah, know these I'm not gonna lie it's pretty entertaining <laughs> I bet. But it's probably cool because you're at the exact same stage of pregnancy as these other women. Yeah. So like people kind of use it as a resource, right? To ask questions like, hey, is anyone else's vagina like swollen or is this weird? (laughs) It's strange symptoms that people can say whether or not they've had them too is basically the thing uh, is definitely full of some people that you're like, mm, um, <laughs> maybe like talk to your doctor. But uh, aside from that, it's, they're kind of fun. And the question comes up all the time of just like, so what's everyone's plan for like losing the weight or, or just like an event moment. 
and I don't know if I think that this is a necessarily a damaging, like a, a bad thing to, to post about, but people don't have the language to do it in like a safe way. So people will just talk about how bad they feel about having gained X, X amount of weight or, Hey, how much weight have you got? Have you gained? Because I've gained this much weight. And it's like, I don't know what they're looking for in that question, but it sounds like it's, I don't know, validation that they're not alone or for someone to tell them that it's going to be okay. Or for someone to like help give them some magic solution to fix this thing. That's not even a problem. So yeah, there's a lot of that going around and being pushed on you and presented to you. And the last thing I'll say on that is um, also people will just tell you like how much weight they gained. Like I, I got a massage and the masseuse was just like, oh, how far along are you? I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, 32 weeks. Oh, cool. I gained like 40 pounds when I was pregnant. I was just like, ah. and then she goes, and it, it took me a year to lose it. Like, like, I literally didn't ask you this question. You're just, this is the first thing you're coming out of me with. And so there's a lot of people out there who are just, I don't know, stressed about it, or they just, it's just the first thing that comes to their mind is like how pregnancy impacts their like weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And going back to that Facebook example where people are, asking or like sharing how much weight they gained I think it probably is a validation thing right because kind of similar to HA recovery a lot of people you know we know will share how much weight they've gained and when you hear that other people have gained similar amounts to you you kind of feel like okay you know I'm like other people have gone through this too um But yeah, it's interesting about how just like talking about weight and how much you gain or how you're curious about how much other people have gained. It's kind of like that conversation just opens up even more during pregnancy, right? So as someone who has had body image issues in the past and has overcome those and got to this really healthy place to have a baby, how are you navigating? Like, are there any thoughts that come up for you? Any comparisons that come up for you um, regarding like the whole weight gain during pregnancy? Is that a thing Mm -hmm. for you at all? You know, at the very beginning, like first trimester, I was very interested in like what the books and the science said about how much food you needed to support a pregnancy and like what, and, you know, I think a part of it came from a really interest, like a really genuinely interested place of like, how, how hard is my body working to do this? Like, it's really cool. And turns out that we just actually don't know very much about pregnancy (laughs) and um you know I think another part of it was like anxiousness about how hungry I was feeling that for me that first one I just like 
if I didn't eat something, I just thought I was going to die if I didn't eat like the things that I wanted to eat. So you were like really hungry. I was so hungry very early on. Okay. And I was kind of anxious about this increased um, appetite, partly because, and you will all find if you haven't had a baby yet and it's on your radar, that the books and the internet tell you that in the first trimester, you don't need any extra food. It's like you need zero extra calories to create this child. And it's like, it doesn't feel that way. It is not, that does not feel accurate. So there's something very odd about it. And then they're like, oh, in the second trimester, then you need a bit more. In the third, you need the most. And I'm like, by far the least hungry. In the, so mm, I just, I doubt how much we truly know. But yeah, I was kind of searching for information that helped me feel better about how I was feeling in terms of my hunger and I wasn't finding it. Um, and so I was kind of able to lean on the fact that I know, I know why I'm thinking this and why I'm feeling this way and why that's scary to me. And I know that everything's going to be just fine. But I think that was one of the, like the toughest couple of weeks was like feeling this one way and being told by you know, the doctors on the internet and stuff. Well, you just like don't need that much food. And then seeing like tips and tricks around the place for how to, you know, mitigate weight gain during pregnancy and knowing that it's wrong. Um, so yeah, there's a mixture of like old parts of my brain wanted validation for how I was feeling because I'm uncomfortable. And then the, uh, the other half of my brain was like, okay, after being through everything I've been through, I can kind of see that this is messed up and I have a bunch of tools to move past it and ignore it pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple things that came up for me when I was listening to you share that is I love that you are sharing this because through HA recovery, I'm sure you also experienced that extreme hunger that so many of us experience. Like Mm. we're so hungry after so many years of restricting ourselves. Mm. Yet when this extreme intense hunger came up for you again during like the first part of your pregnancy, it was still kind of a, whoa, what's this? Like, should I listen to this? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, like, where's this coming from? Should I be this hungry? Right. And so even when we feel like, okay, we've dealt with this, we've gone through this, you know, I know how to navigate this. It can come up again and we might still have those thoughts and those like hesitations around it but I love how you put this and I recently had a conversation with one of my clients very similar to this is that it's like we have those old past versions of ourselves thinking these things and holding on to certain feelings and thoughts and beliefs and that's why we might feel like really anxious and nervous initially 
But then it's kind of like our present self needs to come in because we do have new knowledge and new information. Mm -hmm. You know, I was talking about this today. I actually did a, oh, um, a two month check-in after the seven day HA recovery challenge that we did Mm -hmm. two months ago to see how people had progressed. And we were talking about how (sighs) back when you're in the depths of HA and say, maybe you're, you know, just like chronically overscheduled, under eating, over exercising, there's one voice in your head pushing you to do those things. And it's very clear cut and the road is paved for you and all the signs point in one direction. And then you go through recovery and there's two voices. There's two voices and actually they're both there for now and forever. The the other one, the ED voice, a lot of people will call it, but whatever you want to call it, it's always there. This like ingrained habit thing, it's always there. It just loses its power and its importance and its influence, but it's always there. And so you're going to bring it into things in the future. Mm -hmm. And that might sound a little scary to some people. Like if they're kind of in the depths of an eating disorder right now, or Mm. just starting their recovery journey, or they're in the middle of recovery and that ed voice or the ED voice is like really loud. And they're like, just finding out now that it's always going to be there with them. It's like, what? (laughs) I don't want that. Right. But honestly, it is. I like you and I both will have those kind of like weird thoughts every now and then, but it's not that constant battle every single day and they're Mm. not so loud. And again, just like you so beautifully said is it doesn't have like that power over us anymore. It's like, they're there. We witness them and they're there. We let them be there, but we also know like which path we're actually going to take instead of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's honestly just this ingrained habit that is so similar to other areas in our life. It's really not as scary as it sounds. The way that I actually liken it to is, um, having moved from Australia to the U S you must learn to drive on the opposite side of the road and Holy cow. Like that's terrifying. I can't in the even beginning. imagine. And you're like, there's <laughs> no way I'm not getting in an accident at some point. Like, yeah. That would be I actually terrifying. have never had an accident after it's like, I think I've been here six years. I've never had an accident. Just saying, Dang. but I can't believe it. Um, and you know, the, the windshield wipers are where the blinker is meant to be. And like, I still to this day need certain cues in order to know if I'm on the right side of the road or not. I need to see where other cars are or where they're parked or what way the signs are facing just to be a hundred percent sure I'm on the correct side of the road because there is a piece of my brain that will always try or like always want to drive on the other side of the road. I know it's not correct. Like there's no morality there or it's not weird. It makes perfect sense. I drove that way for a long time. Um, My brain just, that's the first way it taught it. It was the, it laid the very first neurological pathways to do with driving, right? 
and it was my very first neurological pathways to do with food control that aren't being 100% overridden. They're just like, I'm using them less. So I love examples like that. I always love breaking things down into like real life examples that have nothing to do with like food or body image or whatever, just yeah, to kind of like put thing. it into perspective. And that's such a great example. I love it. So one other thing that came up for me when you were sharing, um, you know, kind of researching what the doctors say to mm. eat during like that first trimester. So apparently, right, like you said, you're si- okay. So you're sitting there hungry, super like, like just I ravenous, might die. Right? I might die if I don't have certain things. <laughs> I know that feeling all too well. And I'm sure so many of the ladies listening to the show also know exactly what you mean. It's like you can't stop thinking about food and it's like I need to eat right now and then you go and you're searching okay how much more do I need to be eating during the first trimester first of all it's kind of like why are we even searching that in the beginning (laughs) right but I know you said like out of just curiosity you were like really just curious to know but at the same time it's like okay why are we searching that but Okay, so the answer is you actually don't need to eat any extra during that first trimester, right? Is what the doctors Based are saying. Based on what they think that they know. Right. But my thing is like, are they with saying that? Okay, so in a sentence, it says you don't need ex- like any additional calories during the first trimester, right? If we were to kind of just like put it in a sentence. And actually pause that. Let me actually reframe, uh, rephrase it. Okay. Okay. Your baby does not need any extra calories to grow. Okay. Okay. Because I'm getting to a point here. Yeah. So reading that, it's kind of like, oh, well, I don't need to eat anymore. That's kind of what we're left thinking when we read something like that. But Are they also saying, if you are feeling hungry, do not allow yourself to eat? Are they also saying that? Um, Some people. Not the doctors, (laughs) though. Yeah, no. Right? Not the doctors. Is anyone actually saying, if you are hungry, do not eat? Yeah, And I think that's like what so many of us take away when we read one thing, we make it mean another thing, right? If we read that, oh, I don't actually need any additional calories during this part of my pregnancy, that means that if I am hungry, well, I just need to ignore it and pretend it's not there and like drink water instead. But that's not what that's actually saying, right? Yeah. It's saying... Um, you know, based on some research that we've done, a fetus can grow based off the energy that is already supplied by a mother. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I don't know if they know how much energy the mother needs to have in order to provide that. So it's right. like, it's, and and they haven't, 
it's unethical to do most testing. Mm -hmm. So I truly don't think that they really know. And no, there's not a lot of people saying don't eat when you're not, when you're um, hungry. A lot of people are saying eat because you get nauseous if you don't, but um, you know, I have come across some bad advice. <laughs> so I'm like, I mean, there's really always going to be bad advice. Yeah. Yeah. Just caveat. No, like have your bad advice radar on. Yeah. I just wanted to point that out because it's mm-hmm. like, if another woman listening to this episode right now has read a similar thing, they're sitting in their first trimester, so hungry, but they read that, oh, my baby doesn't actually need additional calories, right? I'm not like eating quote unquote for two right now. Mm-hmm. That's at, like, if you're sitting there hungry, that is your body speaking to you. We need to listen to it mm-hmm. and eat the food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I had to go through all of this, right? Like, well, what does it really mean? Calories, energy is different to nutrients, right? Just because, sure, let's just say you've got the energy covered. But what about the nutrients that are very, 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 very important for this process? Not even just for pregnancy, you know what I mean? For everything. But like that isn't something that is talked about in the research. They're always just referring to calories in. They're never talking about what the you know nutrient deficiency could be that's causing the hunger that you could fix by eating something because we're just so busy looking at this advice. That's like, you don't, you just like don't need to eat more. So yeah, totally. Well, and okay. Just to wrap up this conversation, because I feel like we could just keep going and going, but like, I have a hard time even believing any of that because Mm -hmm. it's like, if we are a university student and we're studying a ton, thinking a lot, we actually like burn more calories mm-hmm. just thinking and studying, even if you're sitting there all day. So I'm like, how if we burn more calories by thinking a lot, you know, like I'm thinking more recording this podcast and sitting here with you than I would be just like sitting on the floor doing nothing, not really mm-hmm. thinking about anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so if we burn more calories thinking, how? does this woman growing a baby not (laughs) not require more energy I (laughs) i don't honestly have any idea how that could be logical at all how it could be logical that you could be so hungry and not need food and how you could just like grow a baby out of nothing um with without any extra energy the whole thing was just and that's why I was researching I was like this can't be right um yeah and I would like remember that they know so little about pregnancy that I actually am very skeptical of it and I see a day where that information changes Mm -hmm. yeah big time so moving on like has any comparison stuff come up for you during pregnancy we know that like those thoughts around "ooh, should I be eating more kind of came up for you and like trusting that hunger I assume that in the end you actually were like yes I need to trust this hunger and you ate more um but what about the comparison because I know that's real for a lot of women too 
Yeah. I mean, I think like we said, or noticed or whatever, that people are asking each other how much the other person gained and all of that stuff. I think um, it has come up. And I think that to be completely transparent, I have experienced no bloating, not a whole lot of discomfort. Nausea was pretty low. I still fit all my clothes except anything that has like a fitted waistband. Um, And I think that the comparison for me comes up and I see that I am having an easier time than a lot of other people have had. And so I get to feel better. And that kind of sucks. I'm, I'm very aware of like comparing, well, she's having a way harder time than me. You know, she's way more upset about weight gain or she just did gain a whole lot more weight than me. Or like this girl's unable to wear her wedding rings right now. Like her swelling so bad, like that hasn't happened to me. And so I'm coming out on like the more positive side traditionally or whatever like society would say is the more positive side. And so it's been easier for me, but that still means I'm comparing myself. Right. I love that you shared that. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Okay, so comparison aside, seeing your body change, like has it been, I, I know you have been liking taking your bump pictures because it's mm-hmm. kind of like this really cool time that, you know, you're, regardless if you do have more children in the future, like this pregnancy, like you're only going to experience this pregnancy once Mm -hmm. you know so it's because the next one could be totally different (laughs) well it is going to be different right like regardless so it's something that I would imagine that you'd want to soak up so I know you've been kind of taking those bump pictures but like I said comparison aside how have things going been going like personally with just witnessing your body changing um yeah, it's really cool and fun. And I, I feel more confident in myself as a pregnant person than I have in any other way ever, right? Even at my smallest, at my biggest, in the middle of recovery, way up, like after recovery, I really enjoy this time. And, um, you know, it's sometimes you're just like, oh shit. <laughs> Like when your nipples completely change and when, you know, you're, you're wondering what it's going to be like afterwards is, I think a lot of, I think anxiety honestly just comes from the, the unknown. Like you, you just don't know. So when I feel anxious about things like that, it's just because I don't know the outcome. Um, but I, I feel pretty good. I was more anxious about HA recovery than I am about this. And I think because it's so full of purpose and um, the direction is clear and, you know, I worked so hard to get to this place to be able to do this. And yeah. 
That's awesome. Okay, so I've actually heard that from many women that Mm. they've like never felt so confident as they have during their pregnancy. And I mean, like, you know, someone who knows a thing or two about science and hormones and stuff like that, I have a hunch that it probably has to do someone Mm. with hormones, right? (laughs) But like, I hear this from a lot of women and I know you have a curious mind like me as well. I mean, you were curious like about how many calories do I need during my first trimester? Like what research can I find, right? So have you done any digging as to why a woman might feel so kind of like positive and confident during pregnancy Mm. more than any other time in their life? Actually, no, I haven't. Just because I assume that it's having a metric shit ton of hormones surging through my body (laughs) Um, that I just, that I feel that way. And and that there's parts of it that are real, like your hair is great and your skin is great. And um, in the second trimester, you just feel incredible. So I think there's a part of that that's real. And then I think there's a part of it that's just like your personal self-perception is heightened and it's I have been curious about like wow just how much about the narrative about ourselves and our like worth and how confident we get to be just how much of that is actually in our head that I have been curious about but I wouldn't know the first place to start looking for answers on that so interesting Mm -hmm. yeah I just thought, because as I was hearing you say that, I'm like, you are not the first person to say this. You know, mm-hmm. I most often hear people talking about how confident they felt and how like in love with their body they felt during pregnancy. And I've just always kind of put that to the hormones that are, like you said, <laughs> pumping through your body. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it has to, it has to be. Cause then you also hear about like the come down afterwards, but we'll right. see. I'm hoping to ride the wave. <laughs> I'm hoping it sticks around magically. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. So, okay. The after, right. You're nine months today. So what are you like looking most forward to? Obviously your baby girl coming, but are there any like specific things that you're just really excited about? Um, like a, that have nothing to do with her. Whatever. No, yeah. Whatever. Okay. Um, yeah, just very excited about like having this little thing that bonds me and Jake, my husband. Mm. I think um, it will be really exciting to see him have a little girl I think it will also be really challenging because he's definitely um like more more protective probably and whereas I'm like let her be free right I get that I I haven't met Jake but I totally get that from like kind of well knowing you he's similar to Scott I feel like he is similar to Scott Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I always joke to Scott that when we do eventually have kids, 
which isn't in the near future um (laughs) he will be like bad cop and i'm like good cop totally yeah exactly right exactly (laughs) right so i'm very excited about that um i'm I'm, I'm excited about being able to breathe again you don't have as much lung space that's gonna be really great that is gonna be awesome (laughs) (laughs) yeah um having on like 11 weeks of maternity leave or something is pretty sweet and yeah I don't know it's kind of cool it's like you have no idea what your life is going to look like which yes can be anxiety inducing in a way but you have no idea and people can tell you you know their experience until the cows come home but my baby could be completely different to theirs and our lifestyle and our setup and the whole thing so I'm kind of excited about being out of control of the next steps because I really have heavily controlled everything in my life since high school like since leaving high school okay I'm gonna study this and I'm gonna try and get a job here and I'm gonna like work really hard and now I'm gonna figure this thing out and it's gonna lead me to this place that's all done that's all done for the foreseeable future at this point. Um, and I think that's kind of cool. That's really awesome to hear you say, because I know control is something that both you and I have struggled with. <laughs> and for you to be like, I am really excited to just start this phase of not being in control of things. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be really hard, but it's cool. It'll be hard, but it's awesome to hear. And I think really encouraging for our listeners right now to hear that you're actually excited to not have this control. And I think that going through your HA recovery is a great teacher, a great teacher, because, you know, how much of your recovery can you say you anticipated like the, the, the good things and the hard things that happened even a couple of years down the track now, like how much of it can you actually say, Oh yeah. I like figured that by going down this path, it would open these doors for me. Yeah. So you just get to kind of like do this scary thing and kind of, trust that it's going to turn out for the best because you've been through that before in what might feel like a a smaller scale but I don't know I don't know if that's true oh I love that okay so we haven't really even talked about exercise I'm not even sure like what's it been like for you throughout pregnancy I'm just curious oh yeah I um just move because it's good. Like you'll learn that the like exercising is beneficial in the sense of like getting her to turn around and to be in the right position. And it just makes you feel a little bit less sluggish and it's just good to move. Right. So I think it's been a really cool experience to let go and be like today it's a nope. The most I can do is take a walk. And to have days where it's like the most I want to do is take a walk, even though I do have energy and to kind of go, I have got a little garage gym and I'll go in there. I actually did a YouTube video and an episode about it. I call it intuitive exercise. Um, where just like the, this process of 
yeah, checking in with your body about what you feel up to doing, what makes sense to do based on the week you've had and the week ahead and like letting, letting go of like intense structure. So I don't have any kind of like programming. I just sort of do what I feel is right. And truthfully, that's not a whole lot. (laughs) Yeah. But okay, so something that always comes up for me whenever I speak with someone who's pregnant and they're talking about, you know, the fact that, okay, like when I'm hungry, I eat and I have these cravings and I eat those like foods that I'm craving. And then if I'm really tired one day and like I don't really even feel like going for a walk, I don't, but you know, some days I just walk and then I'll have some energy one day and I'll do a workout. Mm. And it's just like this really incredible partnership with your body. And you're like actually listening to your body throughout pregnancy. But something that always comes up for me is like, okay, so how come we can do that during pregnancy? And I'm not saying all women do that because some women definitely don't listen to their signals throughout pregnancy, right? They're trying to override them or pretend they're not there. But what you just said, okay, I'm listening to my body. If I'm tired one day, I don't really do much. And it's like, why can we do that throughout pregnancy and outside of pregnancy? Why is that such a thing, Mm -hmm. right? Like it seems like impossible to do or... We shouldn't be doing it. But like the moment we enter pregnancy, not that I can like speak from personal experience or anything, but like, it seems like, okay, now I can actually listen to my body. Yeah. I think about that a lot, actually. Um, I think there's like three things to it that are possible. One is a, just people are people pleasers, And now it's not just about them. And so they're more than happy to make that adjustment. I think that's a common one. And then I feel like those, I feel like I also like lost my thoughts, but I know that there's two more. Um, I think specifically in pregnancy, you're just like way too sick sometimes. (laughs) Then you actually don't have the energy and your legs actually feel like they're full of lead and you're just not, you're not going to do it. So that kind of, forces it and you have no lung capacity and it's all fun uh and then the last point that i thought it was <laughs> i think it's so funny that we're both forgetting what what like you have like probably like like what maybe it's because it's friday or no, you have covid uh, like, I, I have covid brain you have pregnancy brain <laughs> that's what's happening here yeah oh my god we are a pair today <laughs> <laughs> sorry everyone who's there with us hold please hold please we okay i think that because you just like having a new goal and and like you're no longer trying to get your body to change or to like necessarily improve your performance your goal has changed and people with HA like a good goal and now the goal is like well how do I have this just like wonderful 
um, pregnancy experience and how do I ensure that like my baby's development's on point and all of that stuff. And I think that we can kind of easily apply that to that. And so it works temporarily. And, you know, we have some girls um, in the society who joined us very, after getting pregnant very early on, like one had no cycle. She just got pregnant. The other had like maybe two. And, um, you know, they're sticking around because they know that they haven't actually worked through the thing, but they absolutely crushed pregnancy because that's how their brain works. Like, well, this is a tangible outcome. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like just from someone who's witnessed people going through that transition, it's almost like you start seeing your body as like this really intelligent thing, right? It's like, oh, like I'm tired. So I'm going to rest today. And like, (laughs) oh, I'm hungry. So I'm going to eat right now. Okay. It it just figured out its intelligence. It's just like all of a sudden you see your body as this very intelligent vessel. And I just hope our listeners, if they're not pregnant or they're out of that part of their life, that they know that like they don't just have to be pregnant to feel that way about their body. That's such a good point. Actually, that into that intuition is there the whole time. Mm-hmm. There's not, there is no difference between you not pregnant and you pregnant. Mm-hmm. Like suddenly you have this heightened awareness of what you need. Right. Because no, like, you know, we reason. always talk about these pregnancy cravings, right? And it's like, oh my gosh, all I want is ice cream. Right. And it's like, well, okay. So what about the people that aren't pregnant that are wanting ice cream? Mm, Like, why can't you just have ice cream? Because clearly that's what you want right now. That's such a good observation. So yeah. As soon as people have a pregnancy craving, they don't question it. No, (laughs) no. Uh, I could talk to you forever and I'm just so pumped for this little sweet little baby to come. Thank you. Well, I, I mean, I do want to know a little bit about, I want to switch over to you. (laughs) Um, if we may. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. 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 Yeah. I want to turn the tables a bit. You're not pregnant. So we get to, we get to have like both sides of the conversation. Um, you are coming up on two years. When in August, yeah, so like next month, amazing. Okay, cool. So, that is have you did you miss many periods in between then? Super weird. I missed both Decembers Hmm. and one May, so only three periods were missed, (laughs) and they were like not consecutive. What's going on in December? very weird right and I remember I posted that to my Instagram stories because I'm like this is just weird like two years in a row I've missed my period in December and someone that I'm like friends with messaged me back and said she also misses and she's never had HA before and she's like honestly Meg I never have my period in December and she just has always said that it must be due to like the stress of stress that is time a holiday of year. but I'm like yeah. I am not stressed like that is like my most favorite time of year so I really have 
zero idea why I've missed my period both December's. It's just is it, weird. Is it possible that like, because it's the holiday period, just your eating changes? Like you, do you eat? I find some people, they end up eating more like rich foods at their meals. And so it, it feels like they're eating plenty and they feel super satiated, but their like lifestyle and who they're with and who they're eating with and what they're eating and all that jazz is kind of changing. Even though Honestly, they don't really know it. Okay. So last, the first year that I missed, so like 2019, right? That I, the first year that I missed my period in December, I had only had my period since that August. Mm-hmm. And I was traveling from August until December. December was my first month home. Makes so that's sense. kind of why I was like, oh, you know, I was out and... I wasn't working out at all while I was traveling, nor was I working out when I got back home. I don't know why I threw that in there, but I don't know. I got home and maybe it was like me being stressed about kind of getting all these things together after travel. That was what I kind of chalked it up to in 2019. Mm -hmm. But when it happened again in 2020, I was like, I have no idea why it happened this month. And very strange. Like, does something happen in November that affects my cycle for the next month? Yeah, I, have I no suppose idea. so. I suppose. Yeah, very odd. Okay. But you mostly got them all, which is... Minus three. So, minus and three. even I had COVID and I still got my period and I was just so proud of my body. <laughs> so proud because I was sick. So sick. <laughs> That's crazy. It's actually yeah. very impressive. Thanks. <laughs> but it's like your body was still down for getting pregnant. If you're down, if you're down, it's down. And you're yeah. like, dude, no. Which, no, not yet. <laughs> I think I said this in my 30th birthday episode, but I'm like, Maddie Moore just like gave me it. She was like, she had her baby at 36. She's 37 now. And I'm like, yeah. I can give myself another like five, six years until I can like reconsider this. <laughs> I'll reconsider in five to six years. That's I told Scott hard. that the other day because <laughs> we're both kind of on the same page where, well, I think he's more like, yeah, I could have a kid if, you know, we had one. And I'm just like, not right now, but he <laughs> is four years older than me. And so I asked him, just a couple of days ago, like, as you get older, do you want kids more or less? And he said more because I think about dying more. <laughs> like it makes him think about like how he's like a legacy and not being alone. Kids. Yeah. Not being alone. Got it. And I'm like, okay, well we can reconsider like in five to six years because I feel like maybe I'll be ready then. <laughs> Fair enough. That's so funny. Okay, cool. So that's not even on the radar for you. So this is great because there are other people listening who are also like, you know, if you stayed with us until this far into this episode to get to the part where we don't, where we talk about pregnancy, uh, sorry, where we talk about recovery without babies being involved. Um, Okay. So nearly two years, 90% success rate in cycling. And what is different 
about your headspace today versus where it was approximately two years ago? Oh, big question. Yeah, that is a really big question. I definitely trust my body so much more. I think, you know, like getting my period back two years ago, it was like, I was so proud of my body, but I felt very similar to how we first started this podcast. Like, okay, is it going to come back next month? Right. Still kind of like that anxious, worried type thing. But I feel like I have a really great relationship with my body and yeah, headspace. I don't know. Like I just eat food. I noticed a couple months ago that, you know, I was just kind of eating food and not really caring what it was, you know, and not even like focusing on like eating like things that I really love. I was just kind of like eating food, you know, cause I'm like, whatever, like, I don't really feel like eating oatmeal today, but like it's what's there. So I'm just going to have oatmeal. And it wasn't like this big to do that I had to make like this really delicious meal. It was just like, I got to eat. So I'm just going to eat this. And it was a really kind of cool moment for me because I do love food. Most people would refer to me as like a foodie, so to say, but it was really cool a couple months ago, just being like, wow, I can eat this thing and it doesn't have to be like over the top delicious, or I don't have to put all this time into this meal. I know I need breakfast and I'm just going to eat this oatmeal. And if it's just like, whatever, that's fine. And that was yeah. cool. Isn't that actually fascinating? Cause there are people, especially those who are still in recovery listening, who are like, cause I was this person. What do you mean? Every meal isn't exactly like as you want it to be. And I feel like I've even had like hissy fits about things that didn't work out or when I didn't have food in the house and I would probably just get really stressed about it. But today would have been that day. I had carrots, dates, and little piece of leftover steak. Like, ew. (laughs) Yeah, like not anything special, right? Mm -hmm. Like right now I've been just like hooked on these yogurt bowls with just like fruit and honey on them, you know? And it's not like, I have all these like amazing toppings. Like I'm just like, screw the granola. I don't really even care. I'm just, I love fruit right now. And that's my body's like craving so much fruit right now, which is so cool again, to see those cravings and honor them. And yeah. And like, to me, just like yogurt, fruit and some honey on it is just kind of like very basic. Whereas like in the past, I would have had to like, make it like this yogurt bowl, right? Like this very like fancy over the top yogurt bowl. And now I'm, I can just eat yogurt and fruit and honey and like call it a day. Yeah. You know, anyone who doesn't, who hasn't been through this, that just (laughs) happens to be listening is just like, what? What? (laughs) What is going on? Yeah. (laughs) But it's, yeah, it's completely true. Yeah. What a fun perspective that you get to have and you get you will never stop having that perspective you'll never stop being like oh I love how easy I am now yes yeah yeah and I mean like I still 
love certain foods for sure, right? It's like, okay, this is like one of my favorite meals, whatever. But again, I just, it's not like every meal has to be amusing. It just has to be like food. Yeah. 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 That's a really cool sort of symptom or whatever of recovery that that people get that you, you get to have that forever. And it is, it is really cool. Makes your life much easier. Okay. So sweet. And how long, do you know how long it took for you to get your periods like totally normalized? Um, well, I had them, I got my period back in August, 2019, and they were like consistent every month after that, minus those three weird months. Yeah. Cool. So you immediately, immediately like ovulating and having... (laughs) Yes. The luteal phases. That's so good. Yeah. And like definitely the luteal phases have extended to like a better, it's kind of like my ovulation moved from, you know, the last part of my cycle to the actual middle part of my cycle now. So it's very obvious when I'm actually ovulating right now. So in the middle of the night, I'm just like, "Ah, so hot. (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a that's a common pattern I see where people's like follicular phase will be really long at the Mm -hmm. beginning and then their luteal phase will be like six to ten days yeah mine was Um, super short yeah that's so common yeah okay good Mm -hmm. sweet and how are things with Scott your relationship like how has that Mm. been impacted in the past two years that's a cool question. Um, I, feel, I feel like because, and this might not sound like a positive, but I feel like in the past I just had zero like mood, you know, because mm-hmm. like there was just no fluctuations, right? It was just like mm-hmm. very flat. And now even though I like, can get grumpy sometimes like leading I I definitely notice myself turning into like grumpy Meg the days leading up to my period but to me it's kind of like fun I'm like oh yeah this is like you know I don't turn into like a monster but I can tell when the outside world is annoying me a little bit more and it's a cool experience to be like wow Mm -hmm. my period's gonna show up in a couple days and then it does but my relationship with Scott is great um I would say also things you know how I said before with the food like things are just kind of like normal you know no yeah Yeah. it's easier typically it's like when you ask the partner they can see, I mean, they sometimes have to really think about it because they haven't thought about it. But then if you make them go and think about it, um, you know, they start to notice like, oh yeah, she's more spontaneous or she's more interested in me or, um, you know, has more times where she's more like romantic. Right. And I also think that this question is kind of hard due to COVID because I'm like we are so boring to begin with like both him and I we just love being at home actually that is one thing that he will tell you since like 
HA recovery, especially like after being recovered, I can just lay all evening and like watch a movie with him and or, you know, I never used to binge watch TV series with him at all. Like I never used to watch Netflix. I remember when he and I first started dating, which is now six years ago, you know, Breaking Bad was a thing back then. And he was watching Breaking Bad and I could not sit still, right? Like I never sat down until I had to go to bed. So I never watched TV with him ever, you know, and he loves Breaking Bad, The Office. Those are like kind of like his two favorites. And he has more favorites than that. But those were always ones that I was kind of interested in. But again, never sat down. So I never watched Netflix. And since getting my period back, I just... I mean, I feel like that's all I do, like just kind of in the evenings, we sit around, we watch a show um, because of COVID and the pandemic and being at home locked up and stuff. We watched so many series together, you know, The Office, I finally watched Breaking Bad, I finally watched. Um, We watched Parks and Rec together. And it's just been so nice to actually watch those shows that I've always seen him watch but never gave myself the opportunity to just like sit down and enjoy them with him. So he's obviously really into, you know, shows and I like, yeah, I get that. Like probably a movie buff probably sees Marvel movies every, as soon as they come out. Um, And he's definitely going to value you doing that with him. And like, he probably sits there and, and thinks to himself, like, this is cool. Right, exactly. Because in the past, we never just had very like chill movie nights, you know, yeah. all evening type thing. Yeah. Which he would probably just like love. And he probably and always dreamed of having a partner. Too. Yeah, his vision of like having a partner is someone who like does lazy things with him. Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. What do you think is something that you wish that you could kind of like tell yourself or reassure yourself or even warn yourself, whatever you want. Um, if you could to the, the Meg that like went down the path of recovery now, like, cause wouldn't it be cool to be like, oh, I just want to know what I look like in two years from now, not look like physically, just like what my life looks like, who I am, the person I am in two years from now. Right. So If you could like go and see her and tell her what comes out of all of her hard work, what would you say? Mm. Well, first of all, I would tell her because I started recovery. I like did track my food because I had no idea what I was eating. And I talked about that a lot of times and I still was lifting weights at the time and I would definitely tell her like give up the exercise sooner than you did because recovery would have been so much quicker for me if I just stopped lifting weights right like we both know that um it would have been just so much quicker for me but and like also just easing up on that control around food too just like letting it go um recovery would have also been so much quicker for me. 
rather than like feeling like I needed to like figure it out or whatever. But anyways, I would definitely just tell her that she would eventually get to this place where she was so confident and like so comfortable with her body that, you know, she doesn't need to worry about kind of, again, controlling that or trying to like make that actually happen because she is going to get to that place of feeling just like comfortable with herself. Would you, would you reassure her that like, everything's just going to be great. Yeah, because everything is great. And that I would also tell her that she's actually going to get her period back because that was another thing for me. I didn't have my period for 12 years at the point of starting recovery, right? And when I got my period back, it had been 13 years. And so... She had a lot of doubts. Like, does my body even know how to have a period again? So that would probably be my number one thing is like, okay, you're going to do this and you're actually going to get it back and just have fun with it. And I think I did. I really, actually, I would tell her to document it better. That's one regret I have. Is like not like journaling every day, but like kind of, you know, what was going on. That's funny. I have got some journals from the first three months. Uh, yeah, I should same. like dig that back up. That's funny. Two things here that made me laugh. And one of them is, first of all, like I was actually just imagine having a conversation with yourself, having to like listen to future yourself. I just would, that just actually freaks me out. Um, and so I got really tripped out on that thought just now. So you should just picture it. (laughs) And then, whoa, shit. What was it? (laughs) (laughs) We're getting burnt out. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, No. You had two things. (laughs) Not one of them out. One of the them was the stupid one. (laughs) This didn't even, like, add anything. It's Friday. Guys, so sorry. <laughs> it's like low quality. <laughs> this is low quality. Um, it's fine. I just <laughs> low quality. <laughs> I just thought that. I just thought that that was great, and okay. there was something funny in it. And well, thanks for flipping the tables on me. This has been fun. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. I always love our <laughs> podcast together. Me too. Um. Thanks everyone for bearing with our brains. All right, everyone have a really good day.